0: Let's set the scene. We're at a track and field medal ceremony for the Olympic Games. Two Black American spinners are standing on the podium and receive their medals. As the US national anthem begins to play, the two Americans protest the anthem. As they step off the podium and walk out the stadium, they receive criticism from the fans, media, officials, and later are banned from competing in any future Olympics. So you're probably thinking Tommy Smith, John Carlos, Black Power salute in 1968. But today, we're talking about Vincent Matthews and Wayne Collette and their protests at the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich, Germany. Entering 1972, Vincent Matthews was already a prominent 400-meter runner. In 1968, he finished fourth at the U.S. Olympic Trials and went to Mexico City, where he ran the first leg of the world-record-breaking 4x4 relay. Quick fun fact, in 1968, the U.S. men's 4x4 team raised their fists when they received their medals on the podium. They just didn't do it during the national anthem, similar to Tommy Smith and John Carlos at those same games. But four years later in 1972, Wayne Collette, the now famous coach John Smith, and Vincent Matthews finished 1-2-3 respectively in the 400 meters at the Olympic trials, earning their way to the Olympic Games in Munich, Germany that year. At the games, Matthews, Collette, and Smith were all arguably the medal favorites. Matthews ran on the 4x4 world record just four years ago. Collette was number one in the world in the 400 meters at that point, and Smith had the world record in the 440-yard dash. Though they faced some good competition from the two Kenyans, Julius Sang and Charles Asadi, as well as the German athletes, Matthews felt pretty confident that the three of them would have a chance to sweep the podium spots in the 400 meters. At the start of the 400-meter final, Smith got out very quickly, but less than 100 meters into the race, not even getting around the first turn, he pulled up with what turned out to be a hamstring injury. His teammates continued through with very little competition, Matthews eventually winning 400-meter gold and Colette the silver medal, both celebrating and embracing each other as they crossed the finish line. Within moments, though, instead of grabbing the American flag and doing a victory lap around the stadium, they both went over to check on John. Smith, helping him walk off the track and getting him over to get medical help. So as they're both standing with Smith who's getting treated for his injury, the medal ceremony for the 400 meters is being prepared and about to begin. They've literally been on the track this entire time, still exhausted, sweaty, and in their running singlets. So they simply grab their warmups and walk over to the podium for the award ceremony. Now, on the podium, Colette is standing on the second place platform with only his warm-up jacket on, but it's unzipped and without the matching pants, so basically just his running singlet and his shorts. While Matthews, on the other hand, up in the first place platform, he did have both his warm-up jacket and pants on, but jacket also unzipped, wearing a gray shirt over his singlet that is visibly picking up his sweat. Remember, they just walked off the track. So essentially, very, very casual relative to what is, quote, expected on the podium during a medal ceremony. They both received their medals. Matthews got his gold, Colette his silver, and after the third place finisher, Julius Sang received his bronze, it was time for the U.S. National Anthem to be played. When the anthem began to play, Colette stepped up from second place and joined Matthews at the top of the podium. So instead of doing what is, again, quote, expected when the national anthem plays, stand straight, head up, face the flag, right hand on your chest, and all that stuff, right? They instead just casually stood on the podium. They whispered to each other and quietly shared a laugh for a second, then just looked around, Collette was barefoot on the podium with his spikes in one hand and both hands on his hips. Matthews stood there scratching his beard, crossing his arms, turning his body to look around. Both of them visibly were just uninterested in simply waiting patiently for the anthem to finish playing. As the U.S. National Anthem finished up, Matthews tapped Colette, whispered something to him, smirked a little bit, then just very casually raised both of his hands to wave to the crowd and then they walked back into the stadium along with everyone else part of the medal ceremony. As they walk back, Matthews casually takes off his medal and just twirls it in his hand as well. In addition, I have seen an article from an American newspaper in 1972 when this occurred that noted Colette quote, raised a clenched fist to the crowd before entering the portal of the dressing room, essentially saying he raised a Black Power fist as they walked away and back into the stadium. There probably needs to be a quick fact check on this though, I'm not 100% sure, but there is an actual picture of Colette raising his fist at the 1972 games as he's walking into the stadium, that's a true fact. I actually posted on my Instagram, you can check that out as well. But in that photo, he's not wearing the medal he just received from the medal ceremony. And the actual video of the ceremony, he never raises his fist as they walk down from the podium and into the stadium. And remember, it was Matthews, Vincent Matthews, who was actually twirling his medal. So it's possible he may have done it either in an earlier round, such as when he won his quarterfinal heat a couple days earlier, or it could have been when he was walking up to the podium to receive his medal at first. But regardless though, why do I bring all this up? Well, remember, Tommy Smith, John Carlos had just raised their fists on the podium four years ago, were banned for the Olympics, and criticized for their actions. So though I noted, I do need a fact check on this, it's very possible that the media wanted to make a connection between the perceived terrible actions of Smith and Carlos in 1968, to then paint Colette and Matthews in a similar negative light. Remember, we're in the early 1970s where race relations are still very, very tense and tough at the time in the United States. So anyway, as they walked onto the field and into the stadium, they were both hit with a chorus of boos and heckles from the crowd. And then immediately after the criticism from all angles came barreling down at them media newspapers they were all saying that what they did was disrespectful and they were completely ridiculed for their actions so initially some papers reported that matthew said he was angry at the coaches who apparently wanted to take away his spot on the 400 meter team and they weren't providing him with proper training facilities leading up to the olympic games He was also a little disappointed that the media were downplaying the possibility of a 1-2-3 finish for the United States in the 400 meters. Media side though, let's talk about some of the implications. Now, The president of the International Olympic Committee at the time was Avery Brundage. And Brundage was a pretty well-documented racist, anti-Semite, and arguably Nazi sympathizer. Just four years ago, in 1968, he was the one who banned Tommy Smith and John Carlos for their protests on the podium, so go ahead and take a guess at how he reacted now in 1972. In the exact same fashion, he found Matthews and Colette's protests abhorrent and disgusting and immediately banned them both for the remainder of the Olympics as well as any future Olympic competition. Apparently, the next day, though, after finding out that they had been banned, a large white bed sheet had been suspended from the windows of the dorm where the U.S. team was staying. On that sheet, it had the words written on it saying, down with Brundage. It's noted that Matthews had dropped the sheet out of the window with that message. So, if true, you can understand the frustration that he had. They had both just won Olympic gold and silver in the 400 meters and were the favorites to win another gold medal in the 4x400 meter relay. Now, moving over to Bill Bowerman, who was the legendary coach from the University of Oregon and also the co-founder of Nike. At the time, he was the U.S. head coach for the track and field team at the 1972 Olympics. He was initially upset with the protests, saying Matthews and Colette made asses of themselves, jiving around and talking, giving the impression they didn't want to be ramrod straight. But Bowerman didn't necessarily think they needed to be suspended. He had said that was unfortunate, but no big deal. I felt they hadn't meant to be disrespectful during the anthem. Jesse Owens talked to them afterwards and felt the same way. He was arranging for them to apologize, but before they could, Brundage had Matthews and Colette suspended from the village. Bowerman continued saying, you cannot expect an Olympic squad of 60 to have everybody act like army privates. They're great athletes. They're great individuals. The fact that some of them did things that the press objected to didn't bother me too much. They're vivid, alive, human animals. They're keenly interested, very competitive, and all different. So why not accept that and enjoy it? Now, I'll skip over the human-animals comment, and one thing that's important to note is Bowerman did face some criticism for the relatively poor performance of the U.S. track team at the 1972 Olympics, especially compared to the amazing performances four years earlier in 1968. So with Matthews and Colette Band, as well as John Smith injured, the U.S. wouldn't be able to run a 4x4 team, which essentially would have been a lock for gold medal. So there was maybe a bit of incentive on Bowerman's part to not have the two of them suspended, whether he was really upset with their protests or not. Anyway, Bowerman spoke with Avery Brundage to see if them apologizing would change his mind about the suspension. Matthews and Colette weren't there at the moment, so Bowerman kind of apologized on their behalf. Brundage actually accepted the apology, so Bowerman now just needed to go and try and get the members from the US Olympic Committee together. He would let them know that the suspension had been reversed by Brundage and all they needed was the committee's endorsement. Unfortunately though, it had been a little too late. Both the U.S. Olympic Committee and the International Olympic Committee had already voted to support the original suspension by Brundage, literally saying, well, they insulted the American flag. So, unfortunately, Matthews and Collette were not only suspended for the remainder of the 1972 Games, but also from competing in any future Olympics as well. Both of them spoke about the protest, and at first, before they had been banned, Matthews denied it being a protest, saying, If we wanted to protest, we would do a better job than that. People are always trying to make something out of nothing. The reason Colette came on the stand with me was not a protest. We consider ourselves the best quarter milers in the world. Colette stepped up to show that we are a team. Now a bit later though, after they had been banned now, Matthews clarified but was still really kind of unapologetic anyway. He said, We were just mad at a lot of things. We didn't think it would blow up like this. We were asked to apologize. I'm not really sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for the way people took it. What I tried to get across to the Olympic Committee was if it was premeditated, I could have done something better than that. It was just something that happened. We didn't realize the implications to the people in the stands. So not really apologizing to the committee or to the staff, but more sorry for any way that the fans and the spectators may have actually received it. Colette, on the other hand, he was a bit more straightforward with it, saying, I couldn't stand there and sing the words because I don't believe they're true. I wish they were. I believe we have the potential to have a beautiful country, but I don't think we do. So being pretty explicit that because of the struggles black people face in America, he couldn't recognize or honor the flag or the anthem. Even decades later, Wayne Collette was unapologetic and stood by his words. In a 1992 interview, Collette said, I love America. I just don't think it's lived up to its promise. I'm not anti-American at all. To suggest otherwise is to not understand the struggles of blacks in America at the time. This quote really does encapsulate one of the problems with society. When black people attempt to speak out, to march, to protest, to do anything that brings recognition or awareness on how we as black people are treated, it's seen as disrespectful, unpatriotic, anti-American, which completely dismisses the reasons and the substance behind the actual protest. What Matthews and Colette did in 1972 is just another extension of that protest and that message. No matter what black people do, whether it's Martin Luther King marching, whether it's a black power fist, whether it's Kaepernick taking a knee, or if it's just two athletes literally standing there looking around, not doing anything, America always seems to see it as a threat, disrespect or complete hatred towards the country. So that's the story of the 1972 Olympic protest, a sometimes forgotten but still impactful part of track and field history. Make sure you follow the podcast, check out TF Black History on Instagram, and thanks for tuning in to Track and Field Black History.